0: The presenting sponsor of Top Docs is Netflix. The Oscar shortlist is right around the corner, and recently we've had the good fortune to speak with the directors of several of Netflix's new documentaries that are in the hunt for an Academy Award. These include Margaret Brown, director of Descendant, who talked to us about her beautifully layered and timely portrait of the descendants of the slave ship Clotilda. We also spoke with Tamana Ayazi and Marcel Metelzefen, directors of In Her Hands, which follows the courageous young mayor of an Afghan town who fights for women's rights against the backdrop of the country's takeover by the Taliban. And we had a chance to speak with Elvis Mitchell, director of Is That Black Enough For You? His celebration of black cinema in the late 1960s and the 70s. Finally, Chris Smith joined us to discuss his new documentary, Senior, featuring Robert Downey Jr., in tribute to his late father, the pioneering filmmaker Robert Downey Sr., Be sure to listen to these conversations at our feed and watch these films now all available on Netflix.
1: Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson, and welcome to Top Docs. Today I'm talking to Chris Temple. Chris is a documentary director, and along with Zach and Grassi, who's his frequent collaborator and co-director, founded a nonprofit film studio called Optimist. The two of them are best known for directing the feature documentaries Living on One Dollar, Salam Neighbor, and Five Years North. And their new film, which you should keep an eye out for in the months to come, is called This Is Not Financial Advice. So why am I talking to Chris today? Well, it's partly about his films, which have been released globally by Netflix, HBO, Hulu, PBS, and have premiered at festivals including Tribeca, Doc NYC, and many others. But the real reason I invited Chris to be my guest on the podcast was to talk about impact. And Chris and Zach's films have had tremendous impact. In fact, they've helped raise over $91 million for poverty alleviation and refugee support efforts. I've known both Chris and Zach for quite some time, and I've always been extremely impressed by their enthusiasm, their insatiable curiosity, and their amazing ability to get things done, especially when it comes to the impact that their films can have in the world. You know, the word impact is used a lot when it comes to documentary, but it means different things to different people. And so I thought it would be interesting to sit down with Chris and delve into this world of impact a little deeper than we normally would have time to do on the pod. Recently, Chris had reached out to me about a new initiative at Optimist called the Optimist Doc Club. Basically, it's like a book club except for films. Chris explains it in more detail in the interview, but it's easy, fun, and essentially free. You watch a documentary, and then you get to talk to folks about it. What could be better than that? You can learn more at their website at optimist.co. As usual, if you like this interview, please follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and tell a friend. Also, please follow us on Instagram at topdocspod and Twitter also at topdocspod. And now, my conversation with Chris Temple about impact filming making. Chris Temple, welcome to Top Docs. Thanks for having me. You bet. And it's really great to be able to talk to you because typically we're talking to filmmakers about one film, a new film that they have, and you do have a new film, but primarily we're here to talk about a bigger topic, which is impact films, so-called impact films. It's really a great opportunity for me and I think for our audience to dive into this topic. So thank you for being here to talk about it. Absolutely. Before we go any further, let's define this term impact. What do we mean when we say impact anyway? I think it's a great question and it's been
2: evolving over the years. I think a great impact film accomplishes one of three things. It changes minds, it changes lives, or it changes policy. And I see that as these three bucket categories that can really capture the essence of so many different impact films out there, because it doesn't have to look one thing. I mean, you can have an activist documentary on a social issue that can have a very clear point of view, and that can be an impact film. But you can also have something that's a much more immersive, kind of empathetic experience to understanding someone else's perspective with no action after it. And that's also impact.
1: Absolutely. There is no one size fits all when you're talking about impact. I know you didn't go to film school, as is the case for many filmmakers, but can you tell us how'd you get your start making documentaries and specifically documentaries with impact?
2: Yeah, Zach, my co-director, and I often talk about ourselves as accidental filmmakers. Our first ever documentary was a film called Living on One Dollar that was on Netflix, and it was also an accidental impact documentary. We had no idea what that meant. At the time, we were in college studying international development, but didn't feel like I truly understood what the experience was like for families living under a dollar a day around the world. You know, you hear the stat that there are a billion people around the world living under a dollar a day. So we came up with an idea to put ourselves in a position to learn. So we went and lived on a dollar a day ourselves for a summer in this rural village in Guatemala. When we headed out there, again, we didn't plan to make a documentary. We didn't plan to have this experience help in any way. It was just about learning. And we started making some YouTube videos while we were in Guatemala during this experience. And we were releasing them one a week while we were living under a dollar a day in this community. They started getting traction on YouTube and people were you know, watching live as this journey was unfolding for us and getting to learn about really how innovative the extreme poor are to survive and meeting our neighbors and others through these short videos. By the time we got back, we'd seen a lot of this momentum and interest more on a grassroots basis from YouTube. And a lot of people encouraged us, you know, why don't you make it into a longer story or a documentary? And I think, you know, arrogantly or naively, we were like, how hard could it be to make a documentary? So we set out, and about 60 plus versions later, and two years of editing later, with our amazing editor Sean Kusanagi, had a feature film living on one dollar. We finished it right as we were graduating college, and we decided to take six months, not get real jobs, and see what we could do to you know share this film with the world. And we never looked back. The film started building up a grassroots audience. We kind of built a campaign around it. It ended up getting onto Netflix and raised about one. $1.5 Point five million million for two nonprofits in Guatemala that were working in this community, doing education work, microfinance work. We were just blown away that the power of what a story could do. And so
1: tried to make it into a career. So that is an amazing story and just an incredible fortuitous accident, I guess you could say, Yeah. which of course required a huge amount of effort on your parts. But I wanted to just go back for a second to those initial YouTube videos to give people a sense of scale. I mean, those videos got hundreds of thousands of views, right? Yeah, they did. And again, I think we were so surprised
2: by the kind of virality of that content. This was 2010 when we were first doing this, and we weren't particularly sure of what it meant to go viral or how to build strategies in that way. It just wasn't talked about in the same capacity at a time when there just wasn't as much content being put out. But I think it began with young people being interested in following this journey. And we kind of used our own experience as a vehicle and a tool to get people to care about poverty alleviation and get them to care about these issues and to think beyond their own limited scope of a day-to-day worldview. And I think at the time we were naive college kids coming from a position of privilege and we were absolutely fish out of water in this experience in Guatemala. And I think a lot of viewers could relate to that and come on the journey with us.
1: So I want to go back later to talking about the money that you raised, which is an incredible achievement. We'll get back to that when we talk more in depth about impact campaigns. But for the time being, I wanted to jump to your second film, Salam Neighbor. How did that get started? Yeah. So, you know, after
2: living at $1, I mean, we made this film and then we really dedicated multiple years to the campaign around it, to doing grassroots screenings, to we lived in a school bus for four months driving around the country. We had a giant projector on the bus and we were putting it on the sides of buildings, truck stops, just showing the film to anyone and everyone who would see it. The film didn't get into any of the top film festivals. It didn't get that kind of attention. So we tried to do it ourselves and we found audiences that did care about the film. And I think that's a key step. To impact campaigns that we'll talk about later is find your audience of diehard advocates. And so we really built up that grassroots momentum and had done that for a few years. And I think we were really inspired. Okay, so what's next? And at the time we were thinking about it this way, how do we leverage film to make impact? Like the film was coming second in many ways in how we were approaching a story at that point in our lives. We were really frustrated with the coverage and the amount of attention that was being given to the Syrian refugee crisis. This was about 2014. So we came up with an idea for a film in a Syrian refugee camp, the world's largest Syrian refugee camp. On the border of Syria and Jordan. And we created this feature documentary, but instead of just creating the single film, we used the film as a flagship and then we built all these other elements around it. So we also filmed a virtual reality film in the surrounding areas and in the camp that was released by the US Holocaust Memorial Museum in DC as kind of an exhibit for about a year and a half in their museum there. We also then partnered with Google to make a combination website and film called Searching for Syria. That really answered the world's top five most Googled questions about the Syrian refugee crisis, but did it through data visualizations and stories and all of this stuff. And they featured it on the homepage of Google during World Refugee Day. We built out a full Common Core standard curriculum around refugee issues. We saw it as, hey, we've got this flagship issue of this refugee crisis in Syria. Let's build a holistic look at all of the media around this. And the film is the flagship item, a main part of this that can go out. But let's make sure there's all these other tools and next steps and partnerships for people to then take action around. Because a great film can inspire people and you have all this empathy, but then what, right? And we wanted to make sure to capture that immediately by giving people opportunities to volunteer locally, by giving people opportunities to donate, to get involved at a much deeper level on a policy side. That film was a fantastic experience that we really worked on
1: for basically, again, i probably another three plus year period. So you and Zach, your filmmaking partner, Zach and Grassi, you were in the first two films. This was partly documenting your experiences, but then you went on to make a number of films since then. How have your filmmaking careers evolved and run us through your film career since then?
2: Like I said earlier, we started into film impact first, right? The issue was first and film was a tool. And then as time has gone on and we made our first documentaries, we've fallen in love with documentary and the power and redefining the broad spectrum of what impact can look like. So I think in many ways for us, it's shifted now where films first and impact can look like all sorts of things around the film. We have made a number of other documentaries. We've been so so thankful to have four feature documentaries now, a number of short films, and they have expanded into a number of different issue areas. Immigration, criminal justice reform, financial inclusion, food insecurity, and a number of films told through a character-driven lens. So that's been the area that we've really loved to focus our energies. The first two documentaries had us in it. I think we learned over time that We just weren't loving the experience of being on camera as much as we were being behind the camera. And part of that was struggling with the authenticity of being a film subject when you've done multiple films because as a director and being in front of the camera, I started knowing what the film needed in terms of a performance or in terms of a film arc. And the second that happened, we decided the films would lose their true authentic journeys for us as these narrators or characters inside of the films. And it was time for us to shift our role behind the camera and focus more as storytellers, elevating the voices of others.
1: Well, it's been very interesting to watch the evolution in your storytelling strategies. And I would urge people to check out your work and we'll provide links in the show notes. Let's go back to impact films for a second. What makes a quote unquote good impact film in your opinion? I think a good impact film should be
2: divided into the film itself and then the campaign that's being done around it. So we'll talk about the campaign separately because I think A good impact film can look like so many different things. On one hand, you've got films that are, I would say, activist films, right? They come in with a strong POV, a strong point of view and specific issue area they're trying to change. For example, we have a film right now, a short film that's in the festival circuit called Free to Care. And it's a film about criminal justice reform, but it's through the lens of this amazing woman, Lisa, who was arrested when she was 19 and got a felony, spent six years in jail. And now in her late 40s, she's still being held back by having this record. She can't legally work in so many different fields. She put herself back through nursing school, was in her seventh year of nursing school, and her home state of Illinois decided to change the law so that former felons could no longer work in nursing. But she was in her seventh year of nursing school going through this process. And basically she called the state and they were like, there's nothing you can do. So she set out for the next two years to change this law back and make it so that, especially as we were coming into COVID, that these roles were able to be filled by formerly incarcerated peoples. She's just such a powerhouse. She was able to get this law changed in Illinois. And we followed this whole journey for her, telling her story as an activist and as just an amazing mother and leader and nurse. And the goal with this film from the very beginning, when we set out, was that there are 15 states that still have this remaining restrictive law. And we want to use the film to change this law in those 15 states. I think there's all these other goals and definitely emotional elements that happen to the film, but the kind of clear... Uh, what we call the theory of change of this one, like our primary goal is to change this law in the remaining 15 states. So I would call this an activist film. I think there are other films that can be impact documentaries that don't have that same direct call to action at the end of the film. One that released recently, and I particularly love is called The Reason I Jump, which is a film about a number of children who are experiencing autism. And you get to see the world through their eyes just by watching the film. And it changes your mind in your worldview just by watching the film. And I'm a better person for having watched it. I didn't need to sign a petition afterwards. I didn't need to donate money. To me, the primary kind of impact dynamic of that film was just changing minds. And so going back to that framework that we apply at Optimist to every film, you're looking at one of these three categories, changing minds, changing lives, or changing policy and seeing where an impact film can best fit.
1: So i think it would be great to talk about some films that you've seen over the years including maybe some that have come out recently that you think are really great impact films for one or another reason so give us your list of say three or four or five of your top impact films that you'd like to talk about today
2: yeah can we do 25 now um let's see there's so many amazing films i mean i think Just for this year to kick off, I think there's a a couple standouts for 2022. Aftershock is an incredible film, but I think they're doing a lot of work around congressional legislation to eliminate the racial gap in maternal health, and I think they're going to make strides there. And so I think that's a film that's a must watch. For folks who don't know, can you give us a brief synopsis of it? Aftershock follows two families in the wake of loss. So two families who lost a mother during childbirth. And I think it's just a very emotionally moving portrait of what happens next. And I think it's called aftershock, really the shock that happens to a family and to the world. And the consequences when we don't deal with an issue like maternal health, especially amongst Black Americans. It's an emotionally gripping film during the process. And it moves forward to following these families on their journeys of activism throughout the film itself. So it's integrated into the film's DNA as this call to action. And then afterwards, they've, I believe they partnered with Picture Motion, which is a great organization that supports impact filmmakers and can help you build strategies and campaigns. And they're doing a lot of work with Congress to help support legislative changes. So again, that change policy bucket is really being clicked with them. So Aftershock, that's a great one. How about another pick? the territory I think has to be talked about this year as an incredible impact film. And I think For all the reasons of it being a great film, but as an impact film, I think the empowerment of the community to really tell their own story and kind of push those boundaries of authorship is having a tremendous impact, not just on what the film is about, which is about kind of indigenous land rights being infringed in this community, but also just pushing the boundaries of storytelling and how the whole documentary community is thinking about authorship and voices in film. So I think this will have a tremendous impact.
1: And I was fortunate to talk to the director, Alex Pritz, earlier in the year. So we do have a podcast on Top Docs you can listen to.
2: So another one for this year, we'll do three for this year, and then we'll go into the archives. It's a bit more unexpected, but I would say Last Flight Home, which is a film that premiered also at Sundance this year. It follows the right to die for the filmmaker's father. It's a really intimate portrait of his last 15 days and making the decision in California to take his own life at the end of life and I think it checks the number of boxes of an impact film. It's, it changes minds. It's just so emotionally moving when you're in this film and watching love and loss. And I left that film and immediately messaged my parents and was thinking about what's really important in life, right? And to not wait till the last 15 days to experience and to embody that. And then I think secondly, from a policy side, this right to choose when you die is something that is not a right for most Americans. And so I know that the filmmakers are talking about what they can do to shift the conversation around right to die and what that kind of assisted suicide would look like in the future. So I don't know what that campaign will look like because the film is early on, but it's an exciting one to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, and it was also great to see the filmmaker, Andi Timoner, make a very different kind of film than she's used to making. It's a personal film, and as you say, it's definitely an impact film. I was lucky enough to talk to Andi on the podcast, so check that out. What's next? Let's go into the archives. Yeah, okay, let's, let's head into the archives. Okay, so
2: one that I think you got to think of in the archives is The Cove. A beautiful film also, but it significantly changed the dolphin hunting practices in Japan. And you've seen a dramatic reduction since that film came out. But it's not just that, that I think this film makes this list. It's because it led the way for so many environmental films afterwards. And I don't think a film like Blackfish would have been made if it wasn't for The Cove. And Blackfish is also an amazing film about SeaWorld that was able to stop the shows and the treatment of killer whales at SeaWorld. I think The Cove really set the tone and raised the bar for what could be accomplished around animal rights. So I think that one makes the list for that reason.
1: And that is The Cove from 2009, which won the Oscar for Best Documentary Feature the next year. From here, I'll list a couple
2: others without going as much in detail of them. I think the social dilemma should be on that list because it changed behavior. I you know for me, when I, I left that film, I had a very simple call to action at the end of turn off push notifications on your phone. And I did that and it made my life better. There's something to really be said for, for what that accomplished. And then, Bowling for Columbine was groundbreaking when it came out. The 13th also just pushed forward such a conversation around racial equity and the history of why these systems have been built around us for racial inequity. Paris is Burning, Misrepresentation, another amazing impact film and campaign. And then one that's close to my heart, I would say, is For Sama, released, I believe, in 2019, and it followed a mother and her son in Syria. And given all our work with the Syrian refugee crisis and our feature film, Salam Neighbor, this one just hit, especially close to home because we have so many friends in Syria. There's still an ongoing war that's been happening for a decade now. And while it's out of the news on a day-to-day basis, to get to just see the reality of what it's like to raise a son in a war zone was so personal, it leaves you a little gutted. And while it might not have had the same kind of call to actions at the end, it's another one that truly just emotionally moves you.
1: Yeah, it's a staggering film. And I would just add about the social dilemma that watching that film and then talking to Jeff Orlowski, the director for the podcast, it really changed my behavior too. There's rarely a a week that goes by that I don't think about, okay, I need to put the phone down or I need to turn off notifications or I just need to do more to leave social media behind and live in the moment. So let's talk about impact campaigns a little bit. Earlier in our interview, you mentioned the campaign that evolved out of living on one dollar and you raised a tremendous amount of money, I think over $1.5 million. How exactly did you do that? And what else can you tell us about the campaign on that film? Impact campaigns are tremendously
2: important. And unfortunately in the industry, As filmmakers, we often have to spend every sense that we have and spend every hour we have just on getting an impact or an indie film up and out the door, right? And we're often in debt and we're struggling to just keep it together and we put it all into the film. And then how do you try to earmark or have the resources and the energy to put into the campaign? That's a fundamental challenge to the whole industry is someone can make a beautiful film, but then what? And so something we've tried to do at Optimist, our nonprofit, is to build more of an infrastructure around all of our films so that we can make a film, but we also have a team of impact producers you know, on our internal team who can then continue all these campaigns for multiple years, can work on the intersectionality between each of our films and each of the issue areas, can build upon old lists of teachers or screening hosts that we've worked with in the past. And so It's a way by institutionalizing it into a nonprofit that works across all of our different films. We found a a format so far to give us a bit more resources for the impact campaigns themselves to make sure that the films don't just premiere and burn brightly for, you know, a month or two around a film festival and then completely drop off because some of these issues take years to truly implement a policy change. For example, you know, you take our short film, Free to Care, about criminal justice reform. That's a three-year campaign we'll be running at Optimist. But obviously, I need to move on and start making more documentaries. So how do I build the infrastructure around me of people who are really well-suited to running campaigns and to building the true change that we want to see?
1: What do you say to filmmakers who are wondering, do I need to do all the work around my impact campaign? Should I hire an outside firm? You mentioned picture motion at one point. You guys started a nonprofit, Optimist. Obviously, there's not one size fits all again. But what do you say to filmmakers who are asking themselves that question? There's
2: so many different directions you can go with it. And I, th- I think the first thing to ask yourself is what's your goal with the film? And it's totally fine to not want to build out a full action campaign around a film. There are beautiful films that have no calls to action at the end, that don't have curriculum content, that don't have you know screenings on Capitol Hill. They just truly move people wherever they watch them. And they allow us to empathize with the world. They remind us to stay curious. You know, They educate us about important issues. And that's fine. Being really clear with yourself about what film you have and then what goal you want it to accomplish and not try to do everything because as we all know in documentary, resources are really limited. So I think the best advice I'd have for someone as they approach an impact campaign is to really focus your energy in the places that you can have the most impact. We talked about a little bit in this beginning, but I always choose change minds, change lives, or change policy. Don't try to do all three and do them subpar. Really focus in on what's your primary change that you want to create with your project. There's a lot of different ways to build out a campaign. We like to do it in-house because through the process of making the film, have learned to be issue experts and to understand the landscape of the film and the characters that are in your film. I think I feel very attached to our films once I make them. So we like to do a lot of that in-house, but we bring in outside impact producers who might have more experience in the issue area. You know, we'll hire people who, for the Syrian refugee film who had lived experience as refugees, right? And can come in and provide that perspective or the producers on that film were from the Middle East and were Arab American themselves. And that allowed such a different perspective to support our campaign. My advice as people are coming into a campaign Establish your goal, try to focus as much as possible on a single side of what you want to do. And then from there, you know, the sky's the limit of what they can accomplish. Film is creating a tremendous amount of impact in the world right now, especially when they're getting viewership on major streamers in 180 plus countries.
1: What kind of metrics do you use to evaluate whether you're having the kind of intended impact you hope to have? There's some great
2: organizations that are pushing the boundaries of impact measurements. Katie borum Chateau at American University is doing a lot of this work that you can look up. I like to think of it a lot as trying to measure in terms of outcomes, not outputs. So an outcome is somebody's life changing as a result of the film. So take our Syrian refugee film. Three of the main characters in that film were resettled to Canada as a result of the film people saw the film, they privately raised the money and they resettled those families to their own communities to be their neighbors. That was an outcome that happened. An output would be we had 100 views on this film, but did it create change? Did it really push that boundary of an outcome I don't know. To us, I'm always challenging to find ways to add more measurable elements to impact because it's challenging. And the more that we can push the industry to not just pat ourselves on the back and say, we did good, but to actually figure out how to measure that tangibly through surveys, through real outcomes of people's lives being changed or real policy shifting, that's where I hope it'll go more and more in the future and not have it just be kind of a combination of marketing and impact that is tied together.
1: Almost aside from the films themselves, are there impact campaigns where you've looked underneath the hood and said, wow, I'm just really impressed with the impact campaign that these filmmakers and their team have put together? I think the folks
2: at Exposure Labs who did The Social Dilemma, Chasing Coral, Chasing Ice, are really putting their money where their mouth is in terms of doing the impact work. So I'd highly recommend to look at any of those films or to look at their case studies that they release on their website as models. They do a really nice job of pushing those boundaries and putting just as many resources into the campaigns as they're putting into the films themselves. And sometimes that's what it takes. You have a full budget for a film and then think about what's the full budget for the campaign around it. You know, I do think there's more models that the industry needs to think about to get those kinds of campaigns funded because it's really hard. It's really hard to get money earmarked for an impact campaign. A lot of the major streaming platforms are not going to fund that unless there's money, it can become an afterthought.
1: Partners are also a key part of this, right? What kind of partners have you worked with over the years on different films? Partners are critical to any impact campaign. Take our film about the Syrian
2: refugee crisis, We partnered right off the bat with the UN Refugee Agency, the International Rescue Committee and Save the Children, three amazing nonprofits who are working in the space. And they themselves use the film as a tool to host hundreds of screenings in their own communities and in refugee camps all over the world. And they provided a backbone of legitimacy, uh, an outlet for donations to go to to do the work and research they've been doing work in these spaces for so many years. For us at Optimist, every single film we've worked on, we've partnered with a nonprofit and or an author or a journalist who's working and has worked in this space for their whole lives. And that kind of backbone of both Research and people who are working on the front lines just make both the film and the campaign better. So I would highly recommend that. And as filmmakers, not feel like you need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, to me, film is a tool. A documentary is a tool for a lot of these nonprofits who can't make films, who don't know how to tell stories in the way that we do. And we can really help empower so many others by offering our films and our storytelling services to different causes.
1: This is tremendously difficult work. It's very taxing. It takes years to do effectively. How do you emotionally and physically keep your stamina and also, more important, your spirit from diminishing as you work on these films over time?
2: You know, I think for us, why we named our organization Optimist is that the strength comes from the people you're meeting and learning from in these films. In all of our films, there's an optimist. There's someone who, to us, believes progress is possible and is working towards accomplishing that. And I don't think... Being an optimist is naive. I think an optimist is simply envisioning how the world could be better or envisioning progress and making it happen. And I think that envisioning is the first step to accomplishing that. So to me, it's all the people that we've worked with in every one of these films who continue to remain close friends that are. The thing that keeps us going, I mean, it's been so fun to develop these deep relationships with families who are Syrian refugees or living under a dollar a day in Guatemala or have experienced what it's like to cross the border from Guatemala to the US. Every time we gain a different perspective, we learn, we're humbled, and it just gets you fired up to work on the campaign and make sure it has the biggest impact as possible, both for individuals who are in the films and then also people just like them.
1: You know, one of the things I've always admired about you and Zach and Optimist is your commitment to building community. You do it with the films themselves, but you also do it within the doc community writ large. And Optimist has a new initiative, the Optimist Doc Club, which I think is a great idea and is definitely going to help build community. Can you tell us a bit about Doc Club? The Doc Club is a new initiative
2: this year. It's basically think about a book club, but for documentaries. So we choose one film every month. You watch it on your own time. If it's unreleased film, we send you a private screener. And then we come together for one hour on Zoom. 30 minutes is with the director or the film subjects of kind of a conversation. And then we do 30 minutes of breakout rooms, which is much more participatory and similar to what a traditional book club would be. And every month we cap the number of people who can come in. So it remains intimate anyone can sign up on our website. If you go to optimist.co, there's a link for the documentary club. This month, we've got the territory with the director and it's wonderful. And I think why I like it the most is because it gets me to watch a new documentary and dive into dissecting it every month. And there's so much to learn, so many amazing films out there. I wish I took the time more often to sit down and truly experience the world that someone has built for me in a film. I I love documentary. I love its power to transport us into other worlds and to create that kind of impact. And so these films that we choose for the doc club all kind of have a certain bent or focus on impact. And we'd love to have, you guys come out.
1: And I can highly recommend it. I attended last month's doc club, which featured the reason I jump and it was amazing. And the format, it's simple, it's elegant, and it really does help build community. So check it out, sign up, you will have a great time. Chris, are there any other resources or tools that people can use in thinking about impact?
2: One resource that is truly amazing is a website called impactguide.org. It just provides you case studies and frameworks to help build your impact campaign strategy and to think about it from the very beginning of the process of making a documentary and to have that in the back of your mind throughout the whole creation process. I've used it for every film and would highly recommend people taking a look at it.
1: Great. Thank you for that. So in preparing for the interview, I ran across this quote from former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Samantha Power, who was the ambassador during the Obama administration. And she said about your film, Salaam, Neighbor, this film is important because it shatters the idea that there isn't anything that one can do, that the problem is too big. You know, the problems are no doubt big that you're grappling with and that lots of documentary filmmakers are focusing on. But you and Zach and Optimist have shown through your films and your impact work that the individual can step up and be big, too. So I can't wait to see what you've got coming up next. Thank you so much for being here and shedding light on this whole world of impact. This is such a fun conversation to have and excited to see what impact films
2: others make from here.